0: There are some stories in Jewish history that are so bizarre, so fascinating, so completely wild that they feel straight out of a movie. Join hosts Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab for Season 3 of Jewish History Nerds, a new season of intrigue, mystical realms, and bloody battles. Jewish History Nerds will keep you on the edge of your seat as you learn all about some of the craziest and most amazing, yet largely unknown stories that fill Jewish history books. Jewish History Nerds Season 3, hosted by Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab. Available wherever you listen Listen to podcasts.
1: Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo.
2: Giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash
1: electrified dash vehicles slash beyond dash zero vision. Toyota. Let's go places. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. Or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
3: Hey, history enthusiasts. You get not one, but two events in history today. Heads up that you also might hear two different hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. With that said, on with the show. Welcome to the day in history
2: class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 5th. Women marched on Versailles on this day in 1798. This was mostly in response to a food shortage. France had deregulated its grain market in the 1770s, and this was all part of a big economic plan that was devised by Anne-Robert Jacques Tregeau, who was Minister of Finance, Trade, and Public Works under King Louis XVI. Tregeau's philosophy was no bankruptcy, no tax increases, no borrowing. This deregulation of the grain market, though, was followed by several years in a row of poor harvests. And at the same time, the population of France was growing really quickly, while the size of the agricultural industry was staying the same. So there were more people, but at best, the same amount of food to feed them. In reality, less food to feed them because of these poor harvests. Grain prices and consequently bread prices skyrocketed in the face of this shortage, and by 1789, French laborers were spending about 80% of their wages just on bread. Then on October 1st of 1789, in the middle of this ongoing bread shortage and massive economic problems and the early months of the French Revolution, there was a massive and pretty rowdy party at Versailles, at the Opera House there, and it got all kinds of publicity printmakers and other media covered this whole party in a really overblown way but there was a nugget of truth to what they were saying there had really been a big rowdy party at versailles while the common people were going hungry and guests at versailles had been badmouthing the ongoing revolution to make things worse, this was at the time of year when bread should have been available because the grain harvest happened in September, but people were still facing bread lines that stretched for blocks. So people started protesting in the streets on October 4th. And then on the 5th, between 5,000 and 10,000 people, most of them women, gathered outside the Hotel de Ville in Paris, which was the seat of the city council. A lot of them had participated in the storming of the Bastille a few months earlier. They were demanding that grain be released to the people, and they just didn't get a response. So they started marching. And they marched the whole 12 miles or so, approximately 20 kilometers, to Versailles. They were armed with things like clubs and muskets and pikes, and the crowd swelled on the way there. By the time they got to Versailles, there were as many as 30,000 people. They had also developed some goals. They wanted the monarchy to address this food shortage. They wanted the king to relocate to Paris and to reign from a position where he was actually with his people, not off on his own in Versailles, mostly being influenced by the aristocracy. Some of them also wanted to harm the king or to harm Marie Antoinette. This crowd was at Versailles for about 24 hours, and the tensions were really high at various points. At one point, a group of protesters got into Versailles to try to search for the queen, and the guard opened fire and killed two of them. The protesters turned on the guards and killed two of them and dismembered them. Eventually, the military was able to remove the protesters from inside of Versailles, and the king spoke to them while they were out on the grounds. He was saying that he loved his people, and he promised to go to Paris. He even put on a tricolor cockade, which had become an emblem of the revolution. Louis XVI, Marie Antoinette, and their children left Versailles and went to Paris the next day, and this was the first time in a century that France was ruled from Paris instead of from Versailles. So while the protest did achieve some of its goals, we should note that this is a very, very early piece of the French Revolution, and a whole lot more happened after that. You can learn more about all this in the February 8th, 2017 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. Thanks to Tari Harrison for all of her audio work on this show, and you can subscribe to the Stay in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can tune in tomorrow. We're going to rob a train.
3: And welcome back to This Day in History class, a podcast where we unwrap a piece of history candy every day. The day was October 5th, 1936. Around 200 people began their march from Jarrow to London as part of the Jarrow March. They were protesting the unemployment and poverty in Jarrow, a town in Northeast England on the south bank of the River Tyne. None of the march's goals were immediately met, but in the longer term, it did contribute to changing attitudes regarding welfare and social reforms. When the Great Depression hit the UK in the 1930s, industry declined and unemployment increased. The economic downturn was particularly bad in industrial and mining. Places like Southern Wales, Northeast England, and parts of Scotland were hit hard because of the dominance of the coal, iron, steel, and shipbuilding industries. So the places that had flourished due to these industries took a huge fall during the Depression. Throughout the 1920s and 1930s, people organized hunger marches to protest unemployment and poverty in the hopes of improving their conditions. One of those places greatly affected by unemployment was Jarrow, which had an economy that was largely built on coal and shipbuilding. In 1851, Charles Mark Palmer established a shipyard at Jarrow with his brother George, calling the company Palmer Brothers & Co. By 1865, the company had expanded to include an iron rolling mill and blast furnaces. In the early 1900s, the company was a major builder of warships for the Royal Navy, cargo liners, and tankers. But when the Depression hit, the company suffered losses and shut down in 1933. Since Gerald depended so heavily on the shipbuilding industry, a lot of people were unemployed. About 70% of the local workforce was out of work by 1933. In a speech she gave in the House of Commons in November, Gerald's Labor Party MP, Ellen Wilkinson, said that only 100 men were employed on a temporary scheme, where 8,000 people had previously been employed. Wilkinson, who was elected as Gerald's MP in November of 1935, was sympathetic to the struggles of unemployed workers. People in Gerald were eager for the government to do something about the unemployment. They organized a meeting with a cabinet minister, but they were told that Jarrow had to work out its own salvation. So the Jarrow Borough Council decided to present a petition to Parliament for help establishing work in Jarrow. The petition got 11,000 signatures. It would be marched from Jarrow to London to be shown to the House of Commons. They hoped that the non political march would get a lot of publicity and earn the sympathy of the public so that industry would be re-established in the town and unemployed men could work. After attending an ecumenical dedication service, 200 men deemed fit set off on a 300-mile journey to London on October 5, 1936. They had the support of Wilkinson and Gerald's mayor, Billy Thompson. On October 31st, they made it to London. A group of blind veterans also organized a march to London to arrive at the same time as the Gerald March. A National Hunger March also coincided with the Gerald March. Wilkinson presented the petition to the House of Commons four days later, but no immediate help was given to Gerald or the protesters, who soon headed back to their hometown. Though they got a warm welcome when they returned, the marchers felt that their efforts were unsuccessful. There was no immediate increase in employment, but the Second World War soon brought industry back to the town. Some historians have said that the Gerald March and other unemployment protests helped shape later perspectives of the 1930s, and that they contributed to support of social programs after the war. I'm Yves Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And give a warm, warm birthday shout out to our producer, Alexis, who works very hard and is also very awesome. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast. If email's your thing, send us a note at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.